Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Well, good day to all of you out there in the podcast universe. Appreciate you joining us today. Whether you're on your commute to work or on the treadmill getting some exercise or sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee, which I think is the wisest thing to do, uh, I do appreciate each one of you listening. However you listen, wherever you listen, it makes uh, it means the world to me that you do listen. Verse number four today, so uh, would love for you to follow along if you have the capacity to do that. So Jeremiah chapter 23, God is using Jeremiah to specifically highlight the deficiency among the leaders, uh, the leaders who are supposed to pastor the people, supposed to feed them, uh, protect them, unify them, and yet the exact opposite is happening. And God said, I'm going to do my job, but you're not doing your job. Would you look at verse number four of our text where the Lord says, and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them. Remember, he told them, you've been shepherds that aren't feeding them. You've not done your job and the the sheep are paying the price. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring shepherds to them that will feed them. Look at verse number four, and they shall fear no more. That is the sheep. Why? Because when the sheep have insufficient shepherding, they're going to be afraid. Uh, They're not protected. They're out on their own. Uh, The predators are many, and they're preying upon the sheep, and there's no food to eat. That's going to cause fear. But I'm going to give good shepherds, and these good shepherds are going to protect and feed and help. They're going to do the job of a shepherd, and it's going to cause no, it's going to cause the people not to fear anymore nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So good days are coming, and the way by which I'm going to bless my people in the future, and this is so important for us to hear, the way by which I'm going to bless my people in the future, says the Lord, is I'm going to give them quality leadership. Now, what a statement, because we often don't think of the blessings of God in terms of quality leadership. In whatever capacity in your life you have leadership, maybe a a wife that has a godly husband or whatever the case may be, that is a blessing from the Lord. And all of this is going to find ultimate fulfillment in the best leader. And the best leader of all is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, human leadership will, will fail you at some point. And even the best of men are men at best. We've heard that statement. But here the Lord is saying, I am going to bless you first and foremost by the way I give you leadership in your life. Look at verse number five. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Now, that's a a great statement because, first of all, it helps the people hearken back to a prophecy that God gave 150 years before or maybe not quite 150, but over 100 years before, Messiah would be that root of Jesse, that branch from David. And the idea behind the metaphor in Jeremiah 23 
is that the tree itself is all but dead. Remember last chapter where God said to Coniah, I'm going to cut you off like a stump. And yet even out of a stump, a shoot can grow and a, a root, a, sh- a shoot, an offshoot. That's the point. The point is that God will honor his promise that Messiah will indeed come from the root of David, but it it will be almost as if that root had to grow out of a tree that was cut down, just like this tree here, uh, the, the, the legacy of David under men like Zedekiah is really, really bad. And yet, what do we see? We see God honoring his promise. And I, I find that so, so encouraging that in the middle of perhaps the most unrighteous season in Judah's history, when they were ripe for destruction, when any other God, of course there are no other gods, but you know what I'm talking about, would have just tossed them into the trash bin. No, our God honors his promise and our God has a purpose and our God gives a renewed promise to renew the validity of that Davidic covenant that I will bring my son and I will bring Messiah and he shall rule and reign. And he, unlike all of the kings that have done so evil and all the kings that have come to characterize the unrighteous and covetous practices of Judah, the king of kings will come and he will be characterized as being righteous. There is no fault in him. There is no sin in him. There is no deception. There is only a right view of God, of people doing right, practicing right, doing righteousness. Well, what a promise that is. Look at verse number four again. Uh, Verse number five again. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will, see the promise, I will raise unto David a righteous branch. A king shall reign and prosper. And, a, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. What a widespread promise. So there's coming a day. It is certain uh, that a, an offspring of David will rule and reign. He will be perfectly righteous. And the indication of that righteousness in a practical sense will be that he will execute judgment and justice perfect judgment, not like the bribery system that was then happening, not like the the broken bureaucracy that characterized Judah at that moment. There's coming a day when one will rule and reign in righteousness with a perfect judgment and justice. What a day that will be. Now, what is this a reference to? This is obviously a reference to the coming of Jesus, the offspring of David, the, the seed of David, who will rule and reign. Now that's still future. We know that Jesus came the first time as a suffering servant, dying upon the cross in our place, but he's coming a second time in victory, right? You and I will come with him. Eschatologically, we understand that he will descend and throw down the armies of Antichrist and through the word of his power, and then we'll set up his kingdom uh, there in Jerusalem. And you and I, as New Testament saints, will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. And Jesus will rule in righteousness. 
and of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. And uh, I don't want to get too far into all of the future events, but the point is that God does fulfill his promise to David in the person of Jesus Christ himself, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. Watch what verse number six says. In his days, that's Messiah, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. Now think about that. Judah was still a nation when Jeremiah was prophesying this. She was about to be overrun, but she was still intact and still had a governmental system. But Judah shall be saved and Israel. So Israel, the northern kingdom, she had been done away with by the Assyrians years before this. And yet what is God saying? God is saying, I will renew Israel and Judah as a nation under Messiah. That day's coming. Watch this, verse number six. And this is his name. Lest there be any doubt about the identity of this offspring of David about whom the prophecy is now being given, watch what it says. Verse number six, and this is his name whereby he shall be called. Watch the the capital letters here. The Lord, our righteousness. You know, Jehovah Sidkanu, the, the righteous Jehovah righteousness which is very interesting because the name Zedekiah means the righteousness of Jehovah. It's almost as if Jeremiah is saying, this cheap imitation Zedekiah will never cut it, but there's coming the real deal. And that is the Lord, our righteousness. And there's so much in that one title, the Lord, our righteousness. Remember what the apostle Paul said to a very carnal church, the church at Corinth, when he said, Christ is our righteousness. It's not just that Christ is the dispenser of righteousness. No, Christ is our righteousness. I like 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, where the Bible says, he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, it is Christ who is our righteousness. Why? Because upon the cross, he took our place. He was our substitute, was he not? He became sin for us so that in his righteousness, what he accomplished upon the cross, his record of righteousness and holiness and sinlessness can then be imputed to me by faith as I receive him and his payment, his substitutionary payment, his work upon the cross, it is finished upon that cross. I no longer have to fear fear the penalty of sin. I am being made more and more like Christ every day in this process that we call sanctification. Only one day to see him and to become like him, to see him as he is. That's 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, the, the, uh, the final stage of the righteousness of God in my life is glorification when I'm made to be just like Jesus in his body. And God saves me, spirit, soul, and body. What a dark day that they see sin all about them and sin all within them. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. It's the mediatorship. It's the sacrificial death of. It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin 
of the world. And we have a great, great reference to it right here in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse number six. I'm going to go ahead and end right there. Didn't get far, but wow, what rich verses we read today. We're going to quit there in verse number six, come back to verse number seven uh, next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.